to Seeing Color, a podcast that talks with cultural workers and artists of color in order to expand the area of what is a predominantly white space in the arts. I'm your host, Ziwon Chung. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well and I hope you're enjoying the coming of summer. Right now in Berlin, things are slowly getting more warm and everyone is more happy biking around, drinking beers along the canal, jumping into lakes and doing other very German things. Everyone has a smile on their face and everyone is just more friendly right now. The sun's also been rising earlier each day and for some reason I've been waking up along with the sun. So usually I'm up most days at 6am. That means I'm tired sometimes, but otherwise everything's fine and dandy. Before we start with the show, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Frances Catherine. Frances donated to the show through PayPal and she's the very first one. I can't express how much this means to me. So again, thank you, Frances. You can follow her on the Instagrams at WIP underscore projects. This reminds me to quickly mention that if you've been enjoying listening to Seeing Color, then consider helping out with the show. You can share Seeing Color with friends and family, both in real life and on the social medias. Just remember the tag or hashtag Seeing Color Pod. You can also rate the podcast on Apple Podcast, ideally five stars because I'm not sure why else you'd be listening to me ramble on and on this long. But the stars and reviews mean a lot because they help with visibility, and that's better for everyone trying to see seeing color. And if you're feeling extra generous, consider donating to support the production of the show. I've actually just set up a Patreon account where you can donate for $2 a month. That's only $2. That is less than the cost of a Starbucks tall caramel frappuccino or a tall cafe macchiato. I used to work at Starbucks and people would come in and order these drinks on the daily. And that's totally not good for both your body and your wallet. So if you can hold off one unhealthy drink for one day per month, you'll both be healthier and you'd still have some money left over after supporting the show through Patreon. You'll get a shout out on the show and through the social medias and you'll get my eternal love. Donations will cover things like podcast platform fees, website fees, transportation, and the time and effort to produce and edit each individual episode. And if you prefer a one-time donation, that's totally cool. You can send them through PayPal. I love you all the same. You can learn more about all this on www.seeingcolorpod.com slash donate. Anyway, with all that out of the way, let's move on to this episode. For today, I got to interview Sohil Bhatia. He's an artist from India who's currently in Carnegie Mellon University's master's program, his final year. Sohil and I did not fully overlap while we were there or while I was there. I had graduated two years before him, but the art community is small and our circle still intersected quite a bit. Through some fortuitous chances past month, I actually ran into Sohil at an opening in Berlin. I didn't expect him to be there, but Sohil was doing a European art tour and he was going to go to Venice right after Berlin. But anyway, at this opening, we bumped into each other and then we hung out after, got some drinks and 
when I told him about this podcast, so he'll excitedly agree to be interviewed for it. It was great to learn more about Soho through this conversation, and we talk a lot about the ghost of a body, cleaning his artwork, making lots and lots of ice cream, and the poetic act of doing nothing. I really enjoy chatting with Soho, and I'm looking forward to what he will be doing in the future. And with that, I hope you enjoy this. Yeah, say some stuff. Okay. 26th November 2016. I wish I could trade minds with you briefly. Trade minds with me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what would you do in my body? <laughs> uh, it's more like to be able to share exactly what I'm thinking so that I could put my mind in yours. It was. It's more like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Are you comfortable? Yeah. Are you, gonna, you can sit back, however, because... Mm-hmm. Got it. Cool. All right, well... Um, Right now, I'm talking to Sohil. How do you say your last name? Bhatia. Bhatia. Mm-hmm. Sohil Bhatia. Um, and right now, we're in my pseudo apartment. Right now, I'm sort of actually renting a space from Ming Wong. He's uh, another artist I know, and we're both in Berlin. And mm-hmm. somehow, we were two days ago. We were at a gallery opening, and I and Sohil was for some reason there <laughs> with another artist, Yejin. And uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so I guess a few things. I guess introduction. Soho is currently a CMU or Carnegie Mellon University MFA grad, Druid yeah. student. I'm done with my second year. Done their second year. <laughs> and he he came two years after I left. And actually, so you were just telling me like, oh, I was just telling you like how I first knew about you. And it was actually from Devin, mm-hmm. Devin Shimayama. I also interviewed him Episode four, I'll put the links in the show notes. And Devin was talking about you before I met you. And uh-huh. he said that there's this artist from India. And we were talking about the upcoming grads who are coming in. And I was like, Ayana, and what do you think? And he's like, I think he fascinated me. And I was like, why? And he's like, because in the interview, I asked him, why do you want to study at CMU? Which is sort of like the typical question you always ask uh-huh, everyone, uh-huh. right? And you, you said, and maybe you remember differently, you said, because I cannot make the art that I want to in India because you are a gay man in India mm-hmm. and you have no means to actually do the things you want to do in that society. And so I want to come to CMU. And Devin was like, I don't think I've ever heard that answer uh-huh. from anyone. <laughs> th- you, know, you know, right? Yeah, like, I think... I think a part of that answer, like, I think a part of why I'm at grad school at all was kind of a way to catapult out of India and just be in a space that was not that. Uh, And most of the work that I was making at that point, I was not showing it anywhere because I was just making it. I I mean, I could have really found space. I could have pushed to find spaces and shown them, but like it was always, I think the internet became a way to show it. and yeah. I was just, everything I was making, it was on the internet. So by the end of it, where I did kind of get a show at a place, everything was on the internet. And yeah. I was just like, I don't even know if a show is relevant anymore because all these photographs are everywhere. And big, and I, it was interesting. Your photographs were everywhere. Yeah. Some So these were photographs that I was I'm mostly making self-portraits. They were really quick. I mean, I was maybe giving each one 
five minutes or like maybe two hours maximum to make them. Yeah. So it was such, it was really quick production and I was making lots and lots of them at some point. I think by the end of it, I had around 400 of them and these portraits, they were, I was, so I was also naked in them. And that was kind of a thing in India. It, it became, like, it wasn't a problematic thing, but I was, if I went to an opening, it was like, oh, that's the boy who makes naked photographs. Mm. Um, so it was kind of nice to be there <laughs> in some ways. I was like, yeah, I am. Like, I, I had people come up to me and I was like, oh, wait, you're the person who's, who's like, always naked, who's flashing your body on the internet. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that is me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> there was, and I, it was actually once that I went out for dinner with my parents and, and someone came out to us when we were having dinner and asked me, Hey, aren't you the person oh, who's shit. naked on the internet? And Did your parents knew or no? My, so my parents found out much later, but by then they, they already knew. Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> and what'd you say? And I was, was, I was like, yes, I am that person. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, but that's what, so there was a certain amount of visibility, but, yeah. um, I think I didn't want to like be stuck in that conversation of being naked. Like, I think that's all that was about those photographs. People were just interested in the fact that I was naked and not, not that these were images that I was trying to make. Is that changed in the U S uh, are people less interested in your nakedness in the U S I think I've just not worked with the body in the U.S. at all. Wait, but yeah. when I was looking through your, like, your, some of your work, you still mm-hmm. are, or no, or no? Am I mistaken? I think the body is, um, is kind of becoming um, a, just a tool at this point. Okay. I'm not really documenting the body or showing the body in any way, but yeah. I think, uh, like I've been saying in the past, uh, is I still make from the ghost of a performance person, but... I'm not making performance anymore and I'm not making the photographs with the body in it. But I think there is a ghost there that, because I think that's the only thing I know. I'm not someone who started out making, like someone who started out drawing. You're not. Like, I never Well, well, yeah, let's quickly talk. What (laughs) what is your trajectory to where you are now? It was like photographs and then performance and then video and then performance and photographs again and again. Like it was... I was just really mixing all of that up. Um, Did you go to school for art? I went to a design school. Okay, um, where? In India, in Bangalore, the school called Shishti School of Art, Design and Technology, which I think is... What? It's a, it's a great school. <laughs> a, you hesitated there. <laughs> no, it's a great school, but I think I had to fight the entire time because when I was there, they weren't equipped to handle art practice. Um, mm. They, I mean, even though they have art design and technology and i think they use these three interchangeably which i don't completely agree with yeah and and i think that so there were these kind of small problems where all these design projects where you know where you have to do field research and come up with outputs and i wasn't doing that i was just naked and some photographs (laughs) 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 and they were just like who's your audience and i was just like "Mm, i don't really know (laughs) do people still hate that question in (laughs) at a cmu that was sort yeah, of like a, well, that was a joke, right? That uh-huh. was the question that no one wanted to answer. Yeah, no <laughs> audience. I mean, I think there could be really interesting answers to that question, and and at some point, my audience was like people who are interested in watching porn, yeah. and um, because these photographs, because of just being on the internet, eventually, I was on a Tumblr blog once, and which is like a porn blog, and I saw myself. Did that change though? 
Maruda? Tumblr just, oh, yeah. Tumblr Tumblr just, just changed. changed and, and I think all of my work was on Tumblr at some point because Facebook kept blocking me and then Instagram kept blocking me. So, so, now, was, so now where's this, where do, you, where do people find you? <laughs> I think I'm on, I'm probably on some like porn blog um, somewhere. Uh, yeah. I mean, I came across my own photograph on one of the um, porn blogs and that was when I was like, oh my God, I've made it as a porn star at least. I, I was, I was, I was, I think a year and a half ago, one of my, one of my like videos where I'm fully naked was added to a, a Vimeo collection called like full frontal gay uh-huh. videos. <laughs> Isn't that, I mean, did you, did you feel great about it? <laughs> I felt great, but also I was like, the video is not about that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, so I was sort of like, so, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I kept the email cause I, I keep that email to remind myself, like it's like a reminder of just like, yeah. you know, that you've made it. <laughs> yeah, I guess, <laughs> but the audience, well, I was thinking more about just like the audience is something that you don't have control over, but also you should be aware of, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm projecting here, but I feel like in, at least when I was in grad school, people hated that answer because the answer actually was for most of them, like, elitist white curators and critics mm-hmm. and that's the audience but they didn't mm-hmm. people didn't want to say that yeah you know I, w- I would imagine that i mean i see that happen very often i and and i sometimes feel like i might be also doing it well we and, all are that we're that's yeah know, i mean that's I, that's 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 why that's why people hate the answer because most of the time that is actually the answer mm-hmm. you know so there's I mean, in that way, I think maybe I, like now that I'm having this conversation with you, I'm thinking that maybe I should just go back to the internet. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Like maybe that's... Democratize it. Just yeah. where the work needs to exist at all. Uh, but also I feel a little better because not working with the body anymore. So n- at least not the visible body. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's something so interesting about uh, being in the US as uh, just as a brown body person because you exist in the the dualism of visibility and invisibility like you are because you're not black but you're not white yeah but also yeah. you're you're visible because you are um a colored person mm-hmm. and yeah. and but you're also invisible because of the same reason and i find that really interesting yeah uh, and i is this the first time you're realizing it yeah for the i've mm-hmm. been thinking about it like why has the body completely disappeared from my work yeah. Uh, why am I not making photographs anymore? Uh, yeah. And I did make some, but I was not sharing them with anyone. Like they were not on the internet. They were just yeah. prints that I made and yeah. they sit with me. No one really gets to see them. <laughs> Maybe I put one out there, one or two out there, but yeah. most of them were just like, no. And in some ways it's also a way to uh, get agency over the body by being that I will not give it to you. You will not get to see it. <laughs> uh, so that I think is is an interesting shift that has happened in my practice. And I've had to really grapple with it in some ways. But it's been a pleasant one. Yeah. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. I can speak less for was like for you, at least. It's like you have multiple layers that I don't have access to. For one, you are like from India. You're not an Indian American. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm like Chinese American. Mm-hmm. And so at least the way that I see it is the, because America has such a terrible history with slavery and blackness. And then more recently with Latinx people and mm-hmm. the, the issues of the border that all other types of people of color 
exists in, like you said, a gray area. Yeah. Right. Because like we are both invisible, but also the violence being done to our bodies doesn't compare to other types of black and brown bodies. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's also compounded by the fact that at least within certain types of Southern Eastern Asian bodies, like certain communities have actually thrived within the American yeah. white system. Mm-hmm. And so how they exist in relationship to people of color is a different one. Mm-hmm. But no less invisible, you know, yeah. or invisible in different ways. Sure, yeah, you know? I, that's what I, and it's a very interesting kind of invisibility. Yeah, that's what I don't think I can really point out what I enjoy about it because that is something that I really enjoy about it. You do, yeah, okay. um, and trying to at this point really trying to f- work with that that it's so easy to be invisible. Uh, how can I take advantage of this? <laughs> yeah. So what, so I guess, how did you, yeah. So how did you end up? So what did you do after graduating college? Did you, did you take some time off or did you go directly to grad school? It was uh, two years where I, I think after I graduated, I was in love. I was in like for two years. I was a lover. Person? Yeah, okay. I was. I was a lover. That's what to I the think. world to many many people <laughs> to, to one person. Oh, okay, right. that's how I kind of spent those two years. I asked that question because also the other the other introduction I got of you was also from Devin. I don't know if this is too much information, but uh-huh. Devin was like, "Yeah, so I met." So he's like, "I met Sohil." I met him at a bar. I was like, yeah, "And how is that?" And he was like, "Sohil's interesting because I met him, and he said he was with three men." And so it was like, yeah, so this is a guy that I was fucking. This is a guy that I am fucking. And this is a guy that I will be fucking. That I want to be fucking. Or what, okay, we want to be fucking. So, and and I was like, so th- these are all the stories that Devin's been telling me about you. Yeah, I and, remember I was with a friend and the friend okay. took a photograph because I was standing with these three men and the friend knows what the situation, the dynamic yeah. is here. And he just takes a photo from a distance and sends it to me on my phone. And I was just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm in a situation right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think this world colliding stuff happens to me all the time. Yeah. And, and I hate how small this world is. At least the 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 world with the gaze is really small. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our world is also small. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were in love in India. <laughs> and I was in, I was, so I was just in love for yeah. those two years. I think that's what I dedicated my life to. I uh-huh. had a lover who was making... Uh, a decent salary for both of us to survive. Yeah. Uh, I was doing the dishes, taking care of um, our cats. Were you making art too? Or? No, not oh, really. Oh, I was, okay. I was, I, I think I, there's a lot of time in my life when I don't make art. Me too. Uh, and I really like that time. It's my yeah. favorite. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid sometimes that actually I'm so comfortable not doing art in certain times that like I, I might forget. Uh-huh. I feel. Me. I think. I think. I have been that afraid, which is that. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> like, what if I'm never able to make it again? But, yeah. But I think it's at this point I'm starting to trust myself that I will. Yeah. And I just I'm trying to be easier and easier by my with myself every mm-hmm. year, and it's kind of been nice where I, you know, I started doing this thing of making trying to make work only every equinox or every solstice and like on the day of on the day of uh Uh, so i have so it gives me it punctuates it really well (laughs) 
like two equinoxes a year, two works a year, like two, like, and that's only when you, that's the only time you do work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in some ways, uh, and okay. I mean, I am doing these small things, small, quick yeah. things on the side, but yeah. like, you know, using these days are like they're festivals in some yeah. way. Like yeah. this is the day when we do something. Yeah. Uh, when I, I have like four, actually between two equinoxes, I have six months, both times. And I'm trying to plan, I have six months to figure this out, what I'm doing for the equinox. So, and so what did you do the last equinox? The last equinox, I actually did not do anything. Oh shit! It's, <laughs> I the you're last, sliding. Uh, two so, equinoxes been, ago. Two equinoxes ago, like I did, I okay. did something. Okay. <laughs> and the last equinox, I had a plan. Uh, I went to um, Chichen and and a few other Mayan sites in Mexico, the Yucatan Peninsula, and I was. I was there and I was supposed to be making work, but supposed to be, supposed to be, yeah. but the, the spectacle that happens at Chichen on the equinox is so like, it's so spectacular yeah. that I was just like, I can either see this or I can be working right now. And in some ways I think I chose seeing it <laughs> and I just decided to watch the entire light spectacle that happened during mm. the sunset um, is, it, is that also where you took the video of the in the water with the sun set? No, there's actually a video before I even came to school. Oh, okay. It's a video in India okay. um, of me swimming towards the sun. I love that video. When it's setting. That was a... Uh, I thought that was... <laughs> so as we were talking, I thought that was done later because both... That's also um, less of an... There's more of the ghost of the body than your other uh-huh. work. So I was like... And you had posted that more recently. So I was like, oh, maybe... Yeah, and uh, it reminded me of Tasha Dean's video, mm-hmm. the green, the green, yes. green light. <laughs> well, I mean, but she's coming from a completely different, <clears throat> different background, and uh, more from a phenomenological and very like film heavy background of that piece. Yeah, and for me, it was like only again just trying to do performance with the camera, not pointed at me, but pointed outwards yeah. in some ways. Yeah. And I think that was the first time I kind of tried it. And it was just before I came to school. Okay. So that uh, was in India. It, that was in India. It was at this residency in Goa, this state, okay. this uh, like coastal state. It was uh, actually, I, I really enjoyed making that work. And I think if from the past, that is a work that I still really relate to, like a preschool life, yeah. preschool life. Uh, I don't I, have any of those. Really? <laughs> I don't identify with any of the works I applied to school with. Uh-huh. Yeah. I actually did not apply to school with it because I made it after I uh, kind of okay. like, I was I knew I was after going to school. After you got in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like just before that. So you fell in uh-huh. love and then how, and then you broke up and then you applied and, to grad school? And then I broke up and I was like, I need to figure out life. The only thing I know apart from love <laughs> is school. That's a good so. title. <laughs> the only thing I know about life is school. <laughs> But apart from love, is yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. And then I had to kind of go to school again, and also I think aching in some way to just read more and more like and study more in a more guided fashion than just like reading everything and anything. Yeah. Uh, just to have a certain inquiry and kind of follow that, and I think school sometimes becomes an interesting way to aid that, but also disrupt it. Just from the people around you, yeah, they question mm-hmm. you, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and it's also learning because you get to regurgitate really, yeah, 
boring texts that are hard to read mm -hmm. you know yeah and i think i needed i needed that i need to read all the boring texts and all yeah. the dense stuff yeah and someone to push me to do it in yeah. some ways <laughs> yeah okay and then yeah. so so love happened and then you spend a year taking those naked photographs, which you then apply to? The or? the photographs were actually, they're from 2012 to 2017. It's kind of my earliest work, oh, okay. the earliest work I've ever made. Okay. Um, before, yeah, apart from this, I would say, apart from the stuff that I was trying to do at school, which was the school assignments, the photographs were not school assignments at all. They were just something that I was doing parallelly to that because I hated school assignments. I would always like make a product and I was at a product design school enrolled as a product design student. Yeah. So a lot of the time was me trying to sell performance as product, huh. uh, which was kind of hard, but I kind of find, found these. <laughs> yeah, it's complete. It's, they're like literally the other, other ends yeah. of spectrum of each other. I mean, I remember this book project, which is the first time I did it. We had to make a book yeah. and it was an artist book. And, um, I that was the first time I ever performed. I would say a live performance. Yeah, and I did a performance for that, and my professor was somehow convinced that this performance is a book, and I was, and and I think that's kind of how it all began. Uh -huh. yeah. And I knew I could fight these people who were trying to make me a designer and not be that. <laughs> yeah. And so, how have you been to America before, or no? This I I had traveled um, briefly, like twice but really briefly. So how, what did you, how was it coming to CMU? I actually really wanted to be in schools. Um, CMU is the only school in the U.S. that I applied to. Um, oh, really? And the other school that I applied to was Goldsmiths. Okay. So I had these two schools. And Goldsmith didn't take you? They, they did not give me money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was like a monetary thing. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah, but I think in, I would have like to go to goldsmiths more than CMU, but I, I don't know at this point. At this point, I'm pretty content with the school. Yeah. Uh, so it feels like not a, not a terrible decision. It was a gamble, certainly. Um, Life's like, a gamble. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, we forget like just, you know, money runs the art world mm -hmm. and, you know, it's hard to find those situations where you don't have to think about it as much. I, I I just met an artist. She went to Goldsmith and she was like, she was like, she spent the entire time there thinking about money. And then, mm -hmm. and then when she graduated, she went to Berlin and all of her friends at who stayed in London, they had ideas of like, Oh, we're going to like show here. And like, and that, but that she said they all ended up just like working their asses up just, so that they could survive in London. Yeah. You know? I think that's what these big cities do to you. You, I think if you live in them, you don't really live at all. Yeah. I mean, like, I have no interest in going to New York. I think I'm interested in that. You are? I am. I mean, you're a hustler. Yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like... After but I'm also interested in going to a new country entirely. Yeah. I think, so I think the only reason I go to New York is... I would apply to the Whitney ISP program if it mm -hmm. still exists. Yeah, and, it very much does. Well, no, no, well, well, because <laughs> like, it's run is run by one guy, Ron, yeah, and yeah. like as as I understand it, the people at the Whitney don't give a shit about it, and mm -hmm. so as soon as is a one one man show, so as soon as Ron 
goes away, yeah. as I understand that the ISV program will disappear. Yeah, I think it's I, 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 somehow, I mean, I don't know enough about how that program could disappear at all, but I feel like it's got so many people like in there, like who've been pulled into the program, uh, like only uh, alumni and just the faculty there, that it's so hard for that program to die. Well, because Winnie doesn't care. That's why, that's the point. Yeah. And it's, it really, as I understand it, it is Ron's project like he reviews all the applicants and he he mm-hmm. just like you know even Simi doesn't do that Simi has a committee mm-hmm. yeah. with a collection of people who's and most grad schools are but like he's like a one person show yeah and he's been doing it forever yeah. and so when and I don't think yeah so and everyone who I've met who've gone through there and left is like yeah like as soon as he goes the program's gonna go uh-huh so that's that sounds really rough I so, didn't want to go to that program myself. <laughs> yeah, so that would be the only reason I go because like the program's a thousand dollars and to attend and like that would give me that's not a significant financial burden. That would give me an excuse to like, go to New York mm-hmm. and find a job and like you know do some part time work and attend and make connections because yeah. as I understand it's a great place to meet curators mm-hmm. and yeah. But otherwise, I would not move to New York for no reason. I don't think at this point in my life. Yeah. And it's like I I could not even think about it because I'm I'm not even eligible to get like a job in this city really. So yeah. Like in 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 New York. Well, you would have a year, right? Yeah, but I have to have like an arts job. Yeah. I can't just get any part time yeah. gig. Yeah. It has to be very specific to kind of what I studied. Yeah. And then it makes sense otherwise. Yeah. So shitty shitty art gallery jobs. Yeah. Or art yeah. assistant jobs. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Or like, I mean, I would love to teach. I think that's something that I'm really personally interested in. Yeah, don't we all? Are you Are you interested in teaching? Yeah, you are, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's sort of my long term plan. I think a lot of people yeah. know already, but like, my long long term plan is sort of like get a tenure track teaching job in probably in the middle of nowhere, U.S., and then like buy a house. Mm-hmm. That's a good plan. And then eventually, when I pay it off, like rent it out and go back to like traveling around the u.s and the world and doing residencies mm-hmm. yeah that's such a dream <laughs> but yeah so i feel like i couldn't do tenure though you couldn't no i also also because i don't see myself being in the u.s much longer yeah i know kind of have to run away yeah <laughs> i mean if you have the privilege I've, i mean i have the privilege of being american so mm-hmm. i can't apply for these jobs yeah right and so and i yeah i mean I think it'll be uh, nice to go to, uh, I feel like I just need to go to um, a predominantly colored place. Well, where does that exist? A lot of places. Uh, yeah, for you. I mean, I'm asking <laughs> where for you. No, not in the US though. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think that's the only reason why I couldn't do it. But where would you go? I really want to go to Mexico City. Okay. I, at this point, it's something yeah. I'm thinking of. I don't know. How, like it's just a dream. It's a flat dream, but yeah. I don't really know the logistics of this. Yeah. And <laughs> how does one? Is it? Is it like? Do you get a decently paying job there? Is it okay to survive as an artist? I don't know answer to any of these questions yeah. right now. It's just a dream. Yeah. Well, you have a year to figure that out. Yeah. I worst case, I will maybe try to find a job at the school I went to, the design school, because in now, India. Yeah, because now they have a contemporary art program, and they. The first time of the program, they when they kind of launched it, 
um, they use photographs from my performances. No way. <laughs> for their catalog. And no. I was like, I fought for this for a few years and there was no contemporary art program when I was in the school. <laughs> so did they take it down or no? <laughs> I mean, I didn't really fight them, okay. but I was just like, cool. <laughs> so like, yeah. So let's talk about your work. You know, you want to talk a little about like, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, so like, I guess full disclosure, like you're the first person who I've interviewed who I, for the most part, don't know too well. Mm-hmm. We are, as we, as I already mentioned, we're connected through CMU and the day before I was trying to find more information about you and went onto your website on my phone and your menu was is is uh i guess hidden on the phone but appears on the computer which i wasn't it's, aware of yeah it's it's white it's like a very light gray on white yeah okay so i could so i went to your homepage and it was like just text and i was like i clicked on your name nothing happened so i so uh this is an interesting interview for me also because i know peripherally about your work but i didn't have wasn't confined too much about it but i know as already mentioned like about you through Devin and through other people and we mm-hmm. have some overlap. Yeah. So yeah, I'm curious about like your performance, how you approach it. Yeah. I, I mean, at this point it's all trying to, uh, I spend a lot of my time cleaning. cleaning, <laughs> and cleaning. Like, like just outside of art. Yeah. Just oh, outside okay. of art. Like, <laughs> just like d- domestic. Yeah, I'm, I'm a very domestic person. I, I think half of my day is, Cooking and cleaning my house and cleaning the kitchen. What do you like to cook? I sp- spend a lot of my time cooking. What? what? Like kind of all over the place. Yeah. I cook a bunch of different kind of food. I also make a lot of ice cream. That's my new thing. Ice cream? Yes. You have an ice cream maker? I do not. I whip it with my hand. <laughs> How do you make That's the performance cream? ghost. <laughs> oh, okay. It doesn't leave me. I will sit for an hour whipping this cream until it's the right consistency. Shit. <laughs> it's fun. It's pretty pleasant. Is it slow churning? No. It's, it's fast? It's fast. I have to. Oh, God. Yeah. So you get arthritis. I will. Okay. I also have terrible shoulders, so. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've I've handmade meringue before, and uh-huh. that's a bitch. Oh, meringue's also hard. It's a bitch. <laughs> it takes a bit. It's like, and then, like, I go on YouTube and look at the videos with the electric mixer, and it's like, in right. five minutes, and like, ugh. Yeah, right. And it's like, it comes out like way better than whatever my hand could do. It's true. I always feel like, you know, this ice cream is not right. And I know an ice cream maker will do the thing that my hands can't. But but there's something about it. For now, I'm stubborn. I'm just like, let's let's figure it out. Maybe there's something that I can learn from the ice cream maker. And have you? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. But, but no, I think like the few times. So I've been like trying to better this one particular ice cream, which is... Earl Grey with orange zest and Earl Grey caramel. That sounds good. It's really good. <laughs> and I've been trying to just get that really right. And I've made it, I think, five times now, the same ice cream. And the fifth time, I usually call people over and I'm like, hey, I've made ice cream. Why yeah. don't you all come and tell me? And yeah. I think that's critique for me. I think that's the most valuable yeah. uh, like form of sharing work and do talking think, about it. Do you think that is your more... Do you think that is more art than the art that you've been presenting? Definitely. Definitely. And in fact, the last critique I was really, the last critique at school, um, I was supposed to have some work and I did have some work, but I was really not interested in showing it or talking about that particular thing. So, And I was like, I'm really invested in making ice cream right now. Yeah. 
And I kind of spoke to people. I was just like, how do you feel about <laughs> just coming over and eating ice cream for next critique? Because Did that piss off people? It was just like, what's the context? And I was yeah. just like, come on, it's ice cream. We're eating ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> There's no context. I want to make ice cream because I don't want to make anything else yeah. right now. And it's not that I'm not making other things, yeah. but I'm more excited about making ice cream. Yeah. So... And, and then, that didn't go over well. And then, I mean, I I think I'm, I was also just not brave enough to be like, we're only going to talk about ice cream today. Uh, so where did so where did the discussion go? <laughs> it eventually, I just showed other work. <laughs> uh-huh. I didn't do the ice cream, but no, I am. Oh, you did not do the ice cream. No. Oh, you, oh okay. What? Okay. I ended up just showing other work. This was like a, my plan. But before I finish school, I have to have an ice cream critique or just like a meal. I'm definitely very excited about cooking and talking about food and that's something that happens also so organically in some way you know when you're talking about food you're like discussing it yeah <laughs> and just eating and talking and as something so nice about that you're not trying to talk you're talking as you're eating complaining or appreciating or yeah. just being like hmm, this could use a little bit of this and then it'll be nicer <laughs> and that's exactly what a critique is <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, so, and that's also like more useful. Mm-hmm. Has a function. Yeah, art can't like fill a stomach up. <laughs> food can. Yeah, <laughs> gotta talk about the food. Yeah, but I think I'm gonna make more ice cream. All right. Yeah, I I I would say go for it. Yeah. So have you? So it sounds like based on what you've been saying, <laughs> like you only work on Equinox and you're making ice cream. Uh, and we just we started with something complete, and we've just gone into ice cream. Oh, this always happens. Yeah, is it, uh, like this ice cream conversation comes in. It has yeah. happened before. I'll say go with your gut. Do some yeah. ice cream. I mean, I think I, I yeah. I wish I wish you had gone through with just making ice cream. I wish so too, but I'm gonna do it. You can. I mean, I, you got I one more critique for thesis, right? Unless they've changed. I mean, maybe program. my thesis is ice cream. Or you could do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is you could test it out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I think that's one thing is like, for me, what I realized after leaving grad school is just sort of like, no one cares. Mm-hmm. So I think like, if you can, it's important to also like make work and see how it's being received. Because that would be like the last time that like, people actually have a real discussion about your work. Mm-hmm. But also like, taking risks in the sense that like, I think something to me is really fascinating about showing ice cream and critique in a, in a school. Cause it's sort of like, it both tears down the headiness and elit- elitism mm-hmm. of like, let's talk about like this in a very important manner. And you're just yeah. eating ice cream, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and then people always forget like all the important art historical works. Like people are just trying shit out. Yeah. You know, it's like, I cannot attribute that much importance critically to like Rick Rick's first dinners or like uh, Gordon Matta Clark's <laughs> dinners. Like they just did it. They did it because they had the means to, and they just wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, other people put like a lot of meaning to it just being the first ones, but it's sort of like they just did it because they wanted to, Yeah, you know, and and if it works, if it it works, if it doesn't, it doesn't. But you did it, and you tried it out. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think something about just making ice cream is also 
doing something only for pleasure, where I think the making the ice cream is pleasurable and eating it is pleasurable. Is it making pleasure? You, you I, you're I, like suffering. <laughs> you're suffering from it. It's, I mean, it is a little painful, but I think I'm really enjoying the process, and that's okay. why I'm doing it again and again in some yeah. ways. I'm. That is the ghost of the performance, right? It's it is it's not leaving me, and I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think I'm okay with uh, kind of nurturing it in some way. Well, that's interesting. So it's the thing that I thought about, and is I always found performance and sculpture to be very painful. Mm-hmm. Like I think part of me was turned away. So I came. So I came from a painting background, uh-huh. and I never knew what to paint, uh-huh. but I enjoyed the act of painting. And mm-hmm. what I realized was like, I all the artworks that I liked after when I graduated were not painters, mm-hmm. and I was I was I remember being in a crossroads where I was like, I like the act of painting, but I don't like the result of painting as much. Uh-huh. And what I realized was like, all the art that I'm currently doing, I don't like the process, but I like the mm-hmm. final results. Yeah, you know, and like for me is like the suffering is worth it. Cause I know the end result to mm-hmm. me is a better product than what I would have made if I made a painting. Mm-hmm. And so like at some point, like the pain and pleasure for you is that is a churning of the ice cream. Actual pleasure is more like the end result is the thing that's driving that pain. I feel like that I might answer that question differently if I was turning ice cream right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is the idea, right? Yeah, I think it's the idea, but it's just, isn't it so pleasant to like just see that this cream just slowly become like denser and denser? It's, I mean, to me, it's also like visually very pleasing. It's, yeah. and, it's, and I'm t- and I'm doing it at ease because you know I'll take it out of the fridge, I'll whip it for a few seconds, and then I'm gonna stick it back in the freezer. Yeah, there's enough punctuation of like rest. Yeah, and and nobody's asking me to do it, so I think a part of why it's not painful is because it's like it's very consensual i like i have full agency you do. over here which is just like as when i don't want yeah. this pain i don't have to because i started making earl grey ice cream because i ate this earl grey ice cream and i just had to remake it mm-hmm. i was like i need to crack this ice cream why did you add the orange was that your own touch or you had it you I had, so earl grey essentially has like bergamot oil in yeah. it and I was just like, wait, so, and the Earl Grey I used didn't have enough, like, uh, bergamot in it, I felt. And I was just, like, putting orange zest in it. Mm-hmm. And then the Earl Grey caramel came in eventually because the first ice cream I made wasn't sweet enough. And I had to make it sweet. So I was like, let's make caramel, but let's make Earl Grey caramel. <laughs> it's been, yeah, ice cream. Uh, yeah. But it kind of all started with me trying to clean up and make cooking and... <laughs> A lot. And so you think you're going to continue with this idea of the ghost of the body? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, and also I don't really enjoy the word trace. I, I don't have a better word for it, but I trace. think. Trace. Ghost, trace. The memory. I like memory. The memory of a body. I, yeah, I think I, I like that. I like memory definitely more, but I, I really like the word evidence actually. Mm, that's a good uh, word. Yeah. I, so Evidence of the body is is something that is so exciting for me, and it's in, and I think evidence is the the word evidence also comes with like a looking for mm-hmm. evidence, and I like the looking for, yeah, and that's primarily why the new work is becoming quieter and quieter, yeah, uh, 
visually were required. So it's almost extremely absent sometimes and you really have to find the work. It's not readily present. And I think it's maybe also because of making these naked photographs, which everybody was talking about, like, you know, they were so much in your face and yeah. they were so you're loud. Going, so you're they going were, the other direction. And now it's kind of like, I was, I've been really loud. I mean, I think I was somewhat also interested in being the quiet queer, which is how can, in, in some ways, you know, I think I'm, I think I am the glitter queer, but I, what? I'm the glitter queer. Glitter queer. Okay. But I also don't want to be the glitter queer. Yeah. Like my work is not the glitter queer, but I think I'm the glitter queer. Yeah. Uh, so trying to find that balance in some ways, uh, because I think this happens with like a conversation around my work because the work is like now it's not talking about identity. The old work, because it had my body in it, it was so much about identity and visibility kind of things. Yeah. But now it's not about any of that. Now it's about like light <laughs> in like a, a bulb hey let's look at this bulb kind of it's very simple and it's also elemental in some ways uh, just the most essential components of the thing nothing extra no well that's interesting right because it's like i think about this a lot because i started out also with using the body mm-hmm. and i slowly moved away but the previous work doesn't disappear and it contextualized everything that i do after mm-hmm. you know and yeah. so, like, if you had just started out making work about lights, yeah, with no none of the other work, then like people would not contextualize it under this idea of like a queer body, queer Indian body. Mm-hmm. And I think about that in terms of mine, in terms of like some of my work has gone to like these random like mythologies and storytelling where I'm not quite talking about my my Chinese American identity, but like because I've made the previous work like it's part of that context and mm-hmm. yeah and i'm i mean i'm also forcing it because i exist right like you can't ignore it i'm not i'm not deleting it mm-hmm. um and still part of my website and portfolio and yeah. everything yeah at, at this time when i was putting together my website and like clean, doing cleaning up again i was just like wait should i just get rid of these old photographs and not have any evidence that i ever made them but Something about it was felt really important. They they need to be there. And also, I think I haven't magically arrived at what I'm making right now. It's I had to make that other work to 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 not make it anymore. Uh, I had to get it out of my body in some way. Do you think the reception of your work in the U.S. has also accelerated that change? Um, I it's it's a tricky one. Uh, I haven't been showing like a. A, a large amount and also because the work is quiet like the kind of reception is very different i haven't i still haven't shown those photographs that i was making in the u.s and now the work is so different so it is being received in an extremely different manner a lot of times that I, I feel like people might find it extremely boring because it is it it is really boring and so how do you how do you come to terms with that this comes back to the act of cleaning <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah it is, that's all I'm trying to do. I'm yeah. just trying to clean, get rid of information. And that is what the act of cleaning is. There yeah. is so much evidence and you get rid of it. Yeah. And, and that's all I'm trying to do. And, yeah. and cleaning is real work. Is that it your artist statement? I'm just trying to clean. I I, I think so. That I mean, be, it's, it's your, not that, been in there. That but should, it should be your be, entire you know? thesis. Just having that line. <laughs> I'm just trying to clean. 
Yeah, I'm and, just trying to. And you've cleaned all the other text that you <laughs> like write a write a thirty sixty page thesis and then like delete it all and just have that line. I actually have a lot of blank spaces in my thesis, <laughs> like a lot of empty pages, which yeah. is just like breathing space. Yeah, yeah, they need to be there. Well, I mean, so yeah, I'm, what, this is what I'm really curious about, which is like how what has the discussion about your work been in the U.S. Because I feel like I've I've experienced this in Germany, but just like people don't know how to talk about that. And also even when I was in CMU, I feel like the dialogue around the work that I was interested in and how I wanted to talk about it didn't really exist. And I don't know yeah. if it's been similar for you working at CMU. I, I don't think there's been a lot of dialogue really. I mean, we're always talking about what the work, like the formal qualities yeah, of the work yeah. and not really what the work is doing in a larger context. Yeah. Uh, I think that conversation is is very rare because everybody is trusting you in a way <clears throat> that you know what you're doing. Uh, and specific I think to the grad school. This specific- is maybe specific to the grad school and also the places that I've happened to show once in a while. There, there's always so much trust uh, that no one's really questioning what you're trying to do. It's more like we can talk more about it but there's no questions like there's um and and I, what i mean by that is essentially that there's no arguments there's very little argument there's just a dialogue and when you say argument <clears throat> do you want people in tears fighting over a cause <laughs> not not really but it's we're not fighting about anything okay. uh, yeah there's no it's very peaceful yeah. but i kind of like i i like fighting <laughs> yeah i it doesn't get better when you leave grad school because nobody wants to have a fight after in the real world. Everyone's yeah. everyone's like extra nice. Yeah, I think everybody's really nice, and I, and I think something about just what I think about being in America in general is that this American politeness is not going to take us anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> is it's like so many times I'm just like I can see it on your face you're lying to me, hmm. and it's okay. It's okay. I I get it. It's not your problem. So you think? So is that? Do you think most people uh, in the U.S. hate your work but don't say it, they or they don't, don't even know? Hate it, but it's like there's not enough engagement. Like, hmm. I'm, the thing is, I'm also not giving you enough to engage with. So, and you're doing that purposefully, or it's, why? It's happening. I'm I'm not doing it purposefully. Okay. Definitely, I mean, I'm trying to do that, but it, but the point is to just have quiet work. The point is not to yeah. not give you something to see. Give me an example. Of like, um, yeah, actually, that would be really helpful for like whoever's listening. Yeah. Uh, but I, so I, one of the shows earlier last year had this work, which was a clear Ziploc with water in it. Okay. It's a Ziploc that I'd filled with water when I moved into CMU. When you first got when I first, like I think in the first week or so second old, week so or it's something. Old water. So it's just old water, yeah. and it was not a part of the show really. And but I think when I was moving things from my studio to the show, I saw the Ziploc lying on the floor in that corner, <laughs> and I was like, I think you need to be in the show. Oh yeah, and it kind of went there. So finally, in the show, it's just like this. Ziploc that has kind of traveled because I know this water also went home at some point. Yeah, so I took it from my studio to my apartment and then it came back to the studio and then it went to this show and after the show it's kind of disappeared. I don't know where it is. I I have a feeling I threw it. 
Okay. I don't really remember. Yeah. But I mean, it had this interesting life. And at this point, it's just, uh, it doesn't exist. And yeah. so the work was very quiet. There was just a Ziploc with water yeah. on the floor. And I don't know how someone will engage with work like that. Mm. I don't know how I engage with work like that. I think the engagement is that there is no engagement. And I never, the, I never, I don't think I've ever heard that before. The, the, the fact that it is so insignificant, it's just there. Like, what's yeah. the, and I remember in this show, everything was becoming so problematic because, you know, the, all the cabling, uh, is a solo show or a group this show? was a solo okay. show. So, and all yeah. the, like all the, um, switchboards, yeah. all the, everything was more work than <laughs> everything. All of those things were more visible than the work that I'd made, uh, you had other things other than this water. On there the- were other things okay. apart from the water, but everything was in some ways pretty quiet. Yeah. And, uh, and like, there's this like, you know, red alarm in the space. And that, that's the that was- most <laughs> visible thing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, that is way more engaging than the Ziploc on the floor with water. So, and, but were you, ha- I guess I'm, what I'm curious is, are you, were you happy with that Ziploc bag and water? I think I was really happy okay. and I, it, it is, I think that Ziploc bag with water is my artist statement at this point. And what did people say? A lot of trust that you know what you're doing because my current thesis is how to make nothing. How to make... And some, everyone knows that. Everybody kind of knows that. Okay. okay. Which is that All how right. to make something extremely insignificant, invisible, absent. Yeah. Um, it's like Gabrielle Roscoe. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. Know, you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember like, yeah, like he, he has like pieces of like the dust underneath a, a corner. Yeah. He has like, yeah, you probably know this, but for the listeners, like he had a show where he just like tacked on the tops of Danon yogurt pieces. Uh-huh. And then he's just like, <laughs> this- it was just like, I think one on each wall or maybe it was just like one on the far end. And like, that was like the entire show. And it's like, yeah. And, classic- I, and I'm really interested in work like that. Uh, it's. Because it is evidence in some ways yeah. it, and it requires you to look closely, look, there is, I mean, when, when I give you very little information in some ways, there is so much other information that can be found. Like, you know, when you look at the Ziploc with water, there's, yeah. there's a lot of fingerprint on it. There's lots of like dust, like this, the edge where Ziploc closes is kind of like, yeah. you know, darkened because dust has collected in that area. There's this one tiny leak where a, <laughs> where a drop forms every two hours yeah. and kind of will just drop on the floor <laughs> and before the next drop. So the, oh so the exciting gosh. part is that it never becomes two drops because one drop will fall. Yeah. And by the time the next drop forms to fall, the, other one the first one has evaporated. Yeah. So it's never, it's never a flood. <laughs> and... And I am interested in that kind of insignificant in some yeah. ways information. It's really magical to, to, to me. Is it to, important that that's also a metaphor for your own feeling of in, being invisible or no? Is it just you think it's some, coming from somewhere else? I can't say it's not. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, it's there. The metaphor is there. So I, I can't say, I can't deny it. Yeah. But I don't know how yeah. this is happening. My mind is playing games and I'm letting it play games yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the work ends up having water because of just it having this quality of hmm. existing and not existing. Yeah. Uh, 
and even existing as a very transparent medium. So, like Bruce Lee said, "Flow like water, crash like a wave." Right? Really? I haven't heard this. Yeah. Flow like water, crash like the wave. Yeah. I like that. Right? Because water can <laughs> yeah. be like invisible, but mm-hmm. if you you know you fall into water, you get yeah. like a if you do a belly flop into water, it takes on a very solid surface. Uh-huh. Enough water can drown you, kill you. Yeah. But it also receives energy. Right. Mm-hmm. So as a, I think Bruce Lee was talking about in terms of like a fighter. So like yeah. you can, if someone attacks you, you if you can like allow the energy to go through you and then redirect it, uh-huh. you know, you can be adaptable. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I think this is exactly what the cleaning is. So much of the work, again, becomes about getting rid of all the extra information that is not the work. Yeah. Like for this show, the floor had to be painted white the, because everything needed to be really white. So by the end of the show, you could see the evidence of all the feet, right? Yeah. And it becomes this place to generate evidence as well. Yeah. I know what you mean. I mean, I both hate, I both hate and love that work because <laughs> <laughs> like I've been to so many gallery shows where I walk in, I'm just like, okay. Yeah. This is what I came to see here. This is what I came to see here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm really I mean, sorry. It's part of the art world, right? The art world is like this weird place that, you know, every, yeah. I mean, the more that I keep doing art, I'm like always just thinking like how much bullshit is in the art world, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> the whole thing is like this system of bullshit. I actually don't hate it so much. I, I don't know if I hate it, but I think I'm like, I think I'm jaded and also just the amount of money in it, the amount of privilege is in it. Mm-hmm. And then the way that people, I mean, I think on one hand, there's like a beauty, like when you see a Gabriel Roscoe, like he both, you know, I mean, I think the, the, I mean, part, I think of why Gabriel Roscoe can do the things that he does is those simple gestures are also juxtaposed with really beautiful, magnificent pieces that are also not quiet, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, I'm thinking about the skull, yeah, the whale, that he like both those pieces where he like checkered the body or not the body, mm-hmm. he checkered the skeleton. And I was like, that's yeah. a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And that's also a very, you could argue a violent action being yeah. done to something that is, that was once a body. Mm-hmm. And then to see that right next to like dust, there's a contrast there that I think is nice to consider. Yeah. It feels like you constantly need to make uh, other work alongside of this quiet work to just remind people that you actually do things. Yeah. Or, or, or I think to emphasize the quietness. Yeah. Because it's all quiet, sure. then mm-hmm. it's just quiet. And it, just, it, mm-hmm. it literally will disappear. Yeah. You know, but I think that contrast is important. But I think there's this, like, also faith in, like, it can never really completely disappear. Which is... <laughs> which... Which is how I kind of like work. That's totally. how you think. That's how you feel about it. Yeah. Is that no matter what I do, I can never clean this completely. Or it'll never disappear. Yeah. 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 And and just a faith in that is kind of yeah. That's a lot of faith. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> and so after Berlin, where are you going? Wait, where am I going? I'm going to Milan for like a day. And then. And then. Venice. Venice. You're excited to see the Biennale? Not really. Yeah. I don't think I have the capacity to look at more stuff. I'm really exhausted. Uh, there's uh, art fatigue. 
It's a very real thing. Have you been to Venice before? I have not. Okay. So. Well, the thing I like about Venice is if you ever get bored of the art, mm-hmm. you can leave and be in Venice. Yeah. There's not, there's not, there's not many other Biennales with that thing outside of the Biennale. So go out, have a cappuccino, have some wine, have a spritz, have some cheese and meat. That I'm excited about. You know. I'm excited to eat. Yeah. I think a lot of travel eventually becomes about eating. Yeah. Get some ice cream. Get some gelato. Want some ice cream. I don't know. I mean, I think that, I mean, the thing that I realized when I went to Venice, I'm going to do like, I think a Venice episode but like you realize you go there and you expect all the work to be like these grand massive things but it's just it's the same old it's Mm -hmm. not it's just on a bigger bigger scale so yeah the good works are just bigger and louder and the bad works are also bigger and louder (laughs) i you know i'm on a clear path of failure yeah (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm it's, about I mean, it's part of the whole bullshit thing. It's just like there's no there's no standard for quality, so it's just like people have been doing it, they keep doing it, and everyone's too nice and yeah. And uh, I also joke like once you're like a f- successful artist, you're kind of you you stop making art. I I would see that yeah. You know, it's like the galleries will show, still show your shows, the museums will still show your shows, the curators and critics will still write about it, and mm-hmm. like. It almost doesn't matter what you are making. Yeah. So I don't know what the future is for someone who doesn't make, <laughs> is not interested in making. That's uh, that's something I think about. I think, about, yeah. I mean, like, one of my goals is to become a rich and famous artist, but sort of, like, what's at stake at that point when you, like, when no one gives a shit about what you're making and your work's just selling no matter what you make? Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. Yeah. Well, do you have any last words? You want to talk about anything you're working on? Where can people find you? Yeah, I. Anything uh, I missed that you want to talk about? I think I'll like talk briefly about what I'm just thinking of right now. Yeah, um, what are you thinking about? I about how to generate visibility for something that does not exist, mm. and I think I've said it in different ways. The entire time. Yeah. Invisible cleaning. Yeah. And I I don't, I'm not able to pinpoint why exactly I'm interested in this, why I'm interested in, I think it maybe started with me not making a lot of art, but feeling really exhausted in life in <clears throat> general. And, <laughs> and I realized that all I was doing was a lot of domestic work. Yeah. And... And every time at school, like, you know, critique situations, it was like, so what are you making? And I was like, nothing, but I'm very tired. (laughs) I'm so tired and I'm underslept because there's so much to do at home all the time. Like, how do you all like not, how are you not consumed by domestic lives? And I think it's something maybe I've borrowed from my mother in a a way. Uh, She's always doing something or the other. And I'm just like, wow, you have so much to do. Yeah, so I think then maybe how to do nothing and be tired is a is a question, and that's when the nothing becomes uh, not nothing, but just mm. work that is undervalued or in yeah. some ways called meaningless. So there's a lot to do. <laughs> I mean, now you're talking about labor, right? 
Yeah, I'm scared of that conversation, though. I know, right? Because <laughs> the way that the art world co-opted and like, I think two Venice Biennales, the mm-hmm. one that was carried by Invenzor, that was all about labor and uh-huh. it was sort of like this weird, just weird to like see all these pieces about labor, but like within the context of like something like the Venice Biennale. Yeah. You know? But that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what? Do you have an inkling of an idea of what you're gonna do for your thesis? I think so. I just want to work with light entering spaces. So just open doors and light. Do you like Martin Creed? I love Martin Creed. Okay, all right. Oh, we talk about <laughs> doing nothing and talking about light yeah. entering spaces. I was like, of course, we have to, you have to talk about I Martin. I have Creed. to. <laughs> I don't really have an option. Yeah. And. Yeah, and Sealfire as well. And a bunch of other people. But just He's people. an interesting character, yeah. I think. Because a lot of his work is really bad. But he makes so much of it. And then I, mm-hmm. he is an artist that I feel like you have to see things in context of all, his own work. It can't, his mm-hmm. work cannot exist on its own. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's something. Yeah, I think for people who do like nothing <laughs> yeah. or certain types of work, you have to put it in the right context because then they'll get mm-hmm. overwhelmed. Cause I saw, I mean, I, I knew about Martin Creed. I knew about his lights turning on and off, but like mm-hmm. I saw his, he had a, he had a sort of semi retrospective at the armory a few years ago. Uh-huh. And it was like, it was, he had the entire armory in New York city. And it was like, I was just like, I think the work was so fascinating. Cause it was just like this person who just wanted to express himself in any way, no matter how small. Yeah. And some of it failed. Some of it didn't, but some, you realize like, there's like one room that I really like. It was like, I think the, I forgot the title it was. I mean, they're all like numbers, but the idea of the, yeah. the idea of the work was like half the air in the room was going to be balloons. Mm-hmm. So you walk into this space yeah. and literally like half the, half this air or like whatever the height of the, mm-hmm. of the room was like at the halfway point was where all the balloons were mm-hmm. and it's like it's sort of a bullshit idea but then you walk in and it's like it's also magical yeah you really know? imagine that yeah and then like i was like okay like that's a context that he's thinking about when he turns light on and off or like that's mm-hmm. a context that he's thinking about when the piano kind of the the th- the cover for the keys falls down once every hour it's uh-huh. just like He's hoping for like that same moment of like, is there a connection between walking into a room where half the space is balloons? And then like, can that whimsicalness be translated into like turning lights on and off? Or like, can it be Mm -hmm. translated into like a stack of cacti or something like that? You know? I think I find some of the work really funny. Yeah. I think I'm also trying to be funny. Yeah, not okay. yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, it's hard, right? I don't, think, like, but I don't think I am funny. Well, it's like yeah, well, because it's like, can you be funny and be whimsical in the context of like an art world where mm-hmm. they're placing monetary value and institutional support? Yeah, and it's hard to navigate. Tough one. Yeah. Cool. Well, where can people find you? Uh, I have learn about website. you. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's called Sohil Bhatia. You'll probably like it. Okay. Uh, Do should people where and where can people find you on Instagram or? And I've got an Instagram as well. Uh, so Instagram website, um, yeah, and email. Email. Okay. That's a thing. Yeah. That's a real thing. Sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I don't know anymore because, like, now you can like 
DM people on Instagram, a Facebook sure. Messenger, email, and like yeah. texting, and then like sometimes people like don't respond to one specifically, and then mm-hmm. or they get upset because you're using one over the other, and you're like, yeah. oh, I don't know. Yeah, I lost my phone recently, and I think that's when I realized email is a very real thing. <laughs> <laughs> and Facebook, I don't know. I mean, I've been using Facebook a lot because in Germany, all the events are on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the U.S. It's like that too. Yeah, and also it's really fun, the Index Berlin website. Yeah, yeah. So spot on. Sort of. I mean, Index is like, it's hard to navigate. But really? I, I mean, I... It's yeah. just like a blob of shit. It is. It's like, it's like everything. And just like, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, I... You know, and then you go to some of the shows and you're like, okay, like, this is totally shitty. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Like, but that's half of the art world. Yeah. Actually, most of it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, so nice I hope, talking. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, this has been pleasant. Yeah. It's been easy, pleasant. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you. Seeing Color is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Ziyuan Chung. Original music by Alex Chow. You can find more information on the website, www.seeingcolorpod.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Seeing Color Pod. If you enjoyed this show, please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and give Seeing Color a five-star review. This really helps others discover the show and provides greater visibility for everyone on Seeing Color. Again, thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now.